0: And this is episode 2014 of the Survival Podcast. Can you believe that? 2014. We're almost caught up. The history segment will be going away soon because we will, we will pass our current year and go into the future. Yeah. And what are we going to do about that? I've had some ideas. I've bounced off Southpaw Ben. We'll, we'll see. I know Alex has pretty much said that he's sticking with it through the end and then, uh, he's done and feels like he's done his service. And boy, that is the case. Anyway. What do we got today? It's Wednesday. Wednesday is interview day. And today I have a guy named Bennett Tanton on. Uh, Bennett is a former reconnaissance marine and U.S. Army infantryman. Uh, he has a B.A. in security management and is a graduate of the 2014 Entrepreneurship Boot Camp for Veterans with Disabilities at Syracuse University. He's the co-founder and president of Warrior Hall, Inc., co-founder and co-host of Cigars and Sea Stories, and the co-host of Change Your Point of View. Bennett also works as a contributor and advisor to a few publications, companies, and organizations. He's a certified peer support specialist in the states of uh, North Carolina and Arizona. Currently works for the Veterans Administration as a peer support specialist. He's dedicated his life to helping veterans navigate the system and aid them in adding value to their communities. He's here today to talk about a few different things. He's a prepper at heart, very security-minded, and he loves teaching people about self-sufficiency and he also likes to teach veterans how to feed themselves. Personally, I think that's incredibly important because I think that giving people something to do, like learn to grow their own food, is a big coping mechanism for a lot of the things that are, you know, hampering our veterans coming home today. Um, you know, it's, it's an often stated stat, but it doesn't change. So we'll keep stating it till it, the number goes down. About 20 to 22 veterans a day commit suicide. And I honestly think putting a trowel in their hand is just one way to help mitigate that number and make that number go down. We'll be talking about stuff like that with Bennett in just a minute. Before we do, let's go ahead and uh, hear from our two sponsors of the day. Hey, if if you're like me, you know what a gun without ammo is. We call that an overpriced club. That's why I go to BulkAmmo.com and keep a good stockpile of ammo for all my guns at all times. And it isn't just great price and availability that keeps me going back for more. Nope, it's lightning-fast shipping and exceptional service. Give BulkAmmo.com a shot, and I promise they won't let you down. Hey, guys, you know I've always been a fan of Backwoods Home Magazine. Well, how about this? How about Self-Reliance Magazine from the same people that brought you Backwoods Home? Many of you know I've been a Backwoods Home subscriber for over 20 years. Dave Duffy and the crew over there have brought out a new magazine simply called Self-Reliance Magazine. It's at self-reliance.com online, and you can learn more about it by the link in today's show notes. But it's amazing. Just take Backwoods Home up the production value, take out all the politics, and go 100% hardcore homesteading, self-reliance, self-sufficiency. And that's what you get in Self-Reliance Magazine. Check them out today, self-reliance.com. Next up, let's take a look at the year that was the episode. We have cybersecurity has become important to the bleeding hearts. We have sustainable small farms gain international recognition. And someone was raped on campus, but it wasn't Jackie. Notable deaths this year, Robin Williams, age 63, suicide by hanging, actor and comedian. He was recently released from rehab for alcohol abuse, suffering from depression and the early onset of Parkinson's disease. I didn't know about the Parkinson's disease, and that might have been the thing that pushed Robin over the edge, because knowing where you're heading there is, uh, is a hard thing to accept. Uh, Joan Rivers, age 81, brain death during minor outpatient surgery. Uh, Casey Kasem, age 82, of Parkinson's disease. And uh, I just want to point out, when I first started the show, every once in a while I would play around with my voice a little bit in the car during the intro segment, and people would write in and tell me, what's up with the Casey Kasem voice there, Jack? And uh, I always liked Casey. I-, I liked the stuff that he did over the years, and uh, not only was he a disc jockey, he was the voice of Shaggy in the cartoon show Scooby-Doo. I think a lot of people don't know that. And John Dobson died at age 98 this year. Natural causes, sidewalk astronomer and inventor of the Dobson Telescope Mount. Uh, this year in film, Guardians of the Galaxy, Maleficent, and Interstellar, The Monuments Men, and The Giver. This year in TV, AMC's Turn, Washington's Spies, America's First Spy Ring. Liz Wall resigns from Russia Today on air, citing Russia's annexation of Crimea. She claims that RT is softening its coverage. My sense is she is boosting her celebrity. She can't even pronounce Putin's name correctly. Uh, Jane the Virgin this year on TV. A Mexican-American virgin is accidentally artificially inseminated. I've seen parts of this good idea, almost funny, a little too campy. I know nothing about that. Al Gore sues Al Jazeera. Gore sold current TV to the news network. But they failed to make certain payments. Ratings have been extremely low. This year in music, Dark Horse from Katy Perry, Get Lucky from Daft Punk, and Wagon Wheel from Darius Rucker. This year in video games, Middle Earth, uh, Shadow of Mordor, and Monument Valley. In other news, a grazing dispute between rancher Clive and Bundy and the Bureau of Land Management escalates into an armed standoff. We all know where that's headed. Donald Sterling, owner of the L.A. Clippers, is banned from, by the NBA and fined $2.5 million for racist comments uh, he made to his mistress, who herself, who herself was a black woman. President Obama details how he will degrade and destroy ISIS, or ISIL. This means airstrikes in Iraq and Syria. He will also send 1,500 troops. We all know it didn't work. Dr. Martin Salia dies of the Ebola virus in the USA, second U.S. citizen to die of Ebola. Michael Brown is shot by a police officer in Ferguson, Missouri, which sparks riots across the country. Bill Cosby resigns from Temple University's Board of Trustees after allegations of sexual assault come to light. Sony Pictures releases the comedy The Interview, a satirical interview of the leader of North Korea, Kim Jong-un. Let's take a look at... Cybersecurity has become important to the bleeding hearts. Quote, If you need strong anonymity... or privacy on the Internet, you might want to stay away from the Internet entirely for the next few days while things settle. Quote, it's from a Tor network advisor on the heartbleed vulnerability in OpenSSL. The Obama White House appointed cybersecurity coordinator admits he knows very little about the technical aspects of his jobs. Michael Daniel is more focused on the psychological and behavioral motivations of modern hackers. The question is, how does it happen? There are security vulnerabilities in almost all software. When these flaws become known, they're usually patched by the company to develop the software. It is the security flaw not being exploited in the wild. A company like Microsoft will work on a fix and get it out within 30 days. Sometimes you have to give them a swift kick, but 30 days is the ideal. As long as everyone stays quiet about it, the patch comes out and the flaw is fixed before hackers have a chance to take advantage. However, if a security flaw is actively being used, this is called a zero-day exploit. 30 days is out of the window. You need a patch right to heck now. The NSA is a government agency whose mission is to hack into computer systems of foreign leaders and collect data vital to the security of the United States. When Michael Daniel is asked whether the NSA is collecting zero-day exploits like the Heartbleed, He admits he doesn't know. In fact, the NSA is doing exactly that and not saying a darn thing. This leaves U.S. citizens vulnerable to cyber exploits as they log onto their bank account. Oddly enough, Amazon.com is okay. President Obama reassures the public that the intelligence services will stop monitoring foreign leaders with these exploits unless it is vital to the security interests of the United States. He giveth and he taketh away. My take by Alex Shrug. Okay, I don't expect cybersecurity coordinator to grab a keyboard and hacked the Kremlin's database, but Michael Daniel did not fill me with confidence. On the other hand, it is darn near impossible to make large, sprawling systems like federal government secure from cyber attack. There are too many cyber novices, like Hillary Clinton, who don't realize security implications when she sets up an email server at home, and she's not the only one. Sony Online got hacked hard in 2014. They were totally skunked as the details of executive salaries and so-called private email exchanges about celebrities appeared on the Internet. Unless you specifically encrypt an email, it is like sending a postcard through the mail. Not everyone can see it, but some people can, and if they have a mind to do so, at this point, I'd like to give specific advice, but time is too short. Seek out security podcasts at your level and become your own systems administrator at home. It takes work. The problem is there's too many companies that want to make security easy. Beware of companies that want to sell you a security box that does it all. Generally speaking, it is easy enough for any idiot to use it. Usually idiots will, and idiots can be so damn ingenious. Okay, um, it, it, This is just this continuing narrative, though, of what our government does that it says it doesn't do. You know, oh, we, we wouldn't do that, or we only use that overseas, and we wouldn't use that against our own people, and, you know... The more that we learn about what our government is doing in the world of cyber, the more we realize that you can talk all you want about them doing things like hacking Iceland and seeing what the Icelandic government is doing. Uh, But it seems like their main focus is the American people ourselves. As though they see the people as the biggest danger. Maybe that's because the people are starting to realize what a big danger the state itself is. Just my thoughts. And Folks, I'd like to remind you, if you enjoy this show and you want to support us and make sure that we're able to continue to always bring this show to you uh, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and cover these great topics, consider joining the Member Support Brigade. To do that, just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on Members to learn more. You'll get discounts to a lot of really great companies, You'll be helping to support our show with a product that will pay for itself. Many of our members tell us that their membership pays for itself three or four times over every year. And if you're a military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, or a first responder, you do qualify for a discount, just email me at jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com with TSPC service discount in the subject line. Tell me about your service in one or two sentences, and I will get back to you with a discount code. Everybody else, just go to thesurvivalpodcast.com and click on members to learn more and sign up. And with that, I'd like to introduce our special guest. Again, his name is Bennett Tanton. And a really great guy doing some awesome things for our veterans and uh, just dedicated to a life of service. And with that, hey, Bennett, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. It's great to be here, Jack. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm glad to have you with us. I think you're doing some really cool and really important work. I've kind of given your bio to the audience, but... Could you give us kind of the what I always try to do with a guest with the audience is give them a, a, a con, like a personal connection so before we even get into your your topics today, can we just get you to tell people kind of about your background uh, you know how let's go back to high school and how you end up in the military and 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 what leads you to decide that you're you're done with that part of your life and and move on to things in the civilian world
1: All right, sorry about that so I am um I went to. I joined the Marine Corps at 18. Uh, I grew up in Connecticut. Uh, well, I went to high school in Connecticut, I should say, and I joined the Marine Corps at 18, basically because I was sick of school, didn't want anything to do with it anymore, um, just over it. Went to the Marine Corps, Paris Island graduated from boot camp and got you know I, I went in as an infantry marine so I went uh, to SOI at uh, on, on the east coast and this is 1992 then I um, got to after SOI and everything graduated got to Camp Lejeune my permanent duty station I was in receiving and some really high speed looking dudes with jump wings and dive bubbles come walking in and say, who wants to try out for recon? I look at, well, actually, they've called like a school circle, so we got a school circle. So I'm down, who said, who wants to try out for recon? I look at my buddy and I go, what's recon? <laughs> what the hell's that? And uh, he's like, man, I think they're like scout snipers and like they do high speed stuff. Right? So... I'm like, you want to try out? He's like, sure. <laughs> so I tried <laughs> out for recon. Uh, we made it through the in Um I actually was the only one that made it through my indoc out of 27 guys. And that's kind of where I went with my Marine Corps career. Uh, spent the next four years in, uh, or the next three years at 2nd Recon Battalion. Got out of the... Marine Corps and then decided to uh, go into law enforcement, did that for a little bit decided I didn't have the right temperament for it Um, I got my Series 7 license and did a little stockbroking that that wasn't for me Uh, and all in all I was having a real bad time transitioning Um, just horrible bad, bad, bad Uh, ended up getting divorced and when that happened I went back to the military, but I decided to join the army instead. So went six years, U.S. Army infantry, um, plotted around there, deployed a couple of times, got out in 03 and then I was in the nuclear business for 11 years uh, in, in security uh, and um, did a little bit of that, did a little bit of contract work, things along those lines. And then I decided I didn't want to carry a gun anymore. Uh, and got into really helping vets. Uh, and that's basically what I do now for a living, um, full time, uh, in a bunch of different ways. So,
0: yeah. I'd actually I like know, to
1: talk I don't to know you if, feel- if you wanted that long, but that, no, but it's that's great. That, that that's what i've got for you
0: so no that's great i actually would like to know a little bit more about some of the things you're doing to help vets because i think this is something that's really important and i kind of want to blend it in with one of the things i have on the outline here for you of uh, growing your own food so yeah. you said that not only did you get into doing that i'd like to hear what how you got into that but you like teaching veterans to do that could you kind of talk about both of those things
1: yeah, so I grew up in a little farm community uh, in Illinois. Before, before we moved to Connecticut, I grew up in, in Illinois until I was 13. And um, my whole family kind of did the whole farming, gardening, self-sufficient type thing uh, from when, ever since I can remember. We always had a big, gigantic garden. And so I grew up out there, you know, get out there and weed, then, and, you know, this is the food that we're gonna have for the for the for the for the year, so you better get out there and do your work too. Um, so had that my grandmother owned a farm, uh, I worked on that as well. I mean, my first my first job, my first real job, I guess you could say, was detasseling corn. Uh, you know, one of those kids sitting up on the pole arm, detasseling corn as the tractor drives by. So. I, I've got deep roots in in agriculture going back to as far as I can remember. So one of my uh, passions, though, is actually gardening. And I'm like, well, why can't I teach vets how to do this? Well, because I find it very therapeutic along with very self-sufficient. Uh, and as most of us veterans know, especially if we've been deployed, man – if that kind of action ever happened here us as a country we'd be kind of screwed because most people don't know how to be self-sufficient at all so I really got into that with the veteran um, food growing thing on the two, two points because number one it's therapeutic and number two I think vets I think everyone should really know how to grow their own food but I'm kind of focusing on vets because it's my wheelhouse. So it it makes it a lot easier.
0: Have you found (laughs) that it maybe really helps a lot of them deal with reentry? Because to me, I see a very huge problem for our guys today because they're being deployed two, three, four times. You know, then they're getting out. They're kind of circulating back in and out. They're spending an awful long, long time out of country. They're coming back to a country where things are the way things change today are incredibly different, even over a few years, let alone some of these guys that have been, you know, six, eight, ten years, uh, most of it deployed anymore. And and, you know, there's there's clearly a a difficulty for a lot of these guys to cope on reentry. We're losing far too many veterans to suicide. Do you find that when you get them doing something like this, it helps them to kind of deal with that reentry?
1: Absolutely, It's one of the things that it's a huge stress reliever to get out and just create things. Truly. At least it was for me, and I know a ton of other guys that it works for as well. Um, so really, what it's doing is giving them purpose. And I think that's what we lose. A lot of guys lose, guys and gals lose, when they leave service. The number one issue that they have, it's not... What they've done, it's not what they've seen. I mean, that's all a part of it, right? But sure. th- one of the biggest things is that sense of purpose is gone. Like, what do I do now? So, even something as small as planting and tending a garden gives them purpose because that's daily work almost. I mean, if, if you've got a big enough garden, that's daily work. Sure, it is. So, you've got to get out there, and, and, and what you're actually doing is creating. Something for you and your family. So that's real purpose. Now, sure, we can go out and find jobs that give us real purpose, but what I find is that it's real easy to set up a, like a four by eight or a four by 12 raised bed garden and you can grow an awful lot of food and that, and that's a, it's a, you know, it can be a lot of work. Uh, so it really does give guys purpose, um, to just create that and grow that. Food I mean, that's why it's such an effective tool in my opinion
0: I think it also probably has something to do with you know when you're talking sense of purpose, like you can go get a job and yet you have a purpose, but we all know in general, unless you're in some very key position, if you didn't show up for work for a week, they just replace you right so how, least, they, you're you're just a number in my yeah place. right so yeah, how how big sure. a purpose is that, and you know but when you're when you're running something as simple as a garden or taking care of some chickens or ducks or something, if you don 't do your job, something dies. Something actually depends on you for its existence and I, I think that's why i've seen a lot of like you know not that it 's the same thing but it 's the same. Same kind of road I guess you'd look at that in in rehab i 've seen people you know bring animals into rehab scenarios. Uh, I remember a movie many years ago you, you know you pick up a horse 's foot to shoe it, and a guy that does it all the time can just do it, and anybody else's horse won 't let him do it and you almost have to be like be willing to somehow be asking the animal for help, in other words, for you know kind of at a, a an energetic level for that animal to respond to you and do that. And, you know, that that was one of the, the steps. So having something that depends on you, having something that you actually it, it has true meaning and you can see the meaning at the end of the day. And if you don't do what you're supposed to do, something will actually perish. Because if you think about it, it as ridiculous as it sounds, it it, it does kind of take a vet back to that point where if I don't do my job, my buddy dies. And they don't have that
1: anymore.
0: They don't have that anymore. Like, whether they even wanted to be there or not, at least they had that sense of value. And I think for many, it becomes their survival mechanism while they're there, right? So I have oh, to do sure. my job to keep myself alive and keep my people alive. And then now you don't really have to do shit, if that makes sense. Like you don't really have to do anything. And, and, no. and for a person that has been, you know, multiple deployments of living that way to just be told, now you don't really have to do nothing except whatever you want. And then they don't know what they want to do yet. I, I think anything that connects them to something depending on them actually is, 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 is grounding.
1: Well, it's, yeah, it's instant, it's instant schedule. Like you literally, it's instantaneous, like, oh, I got to get up and water the. The cucumbers or whatever that yeah. you've got growing, you know, it, it is. It, that's a really good point, Jack. Literally instant purpose, instantaneous. Something is counting on you. And especially with like chickens and stuff. I mean, that's a whole nother animal, yeah. you know, obviously literally, uh, uh going out, eggs feeding them, whatever, you know. Letting them out, the I mean. Moving, you know, yeah, letting them out, moving. you got to get up. Moving the pen, whatever. You've got to do it or they're going to die.
0: Yeah, That's you know, it. like if you if you wait till noon to get up, your garden doesn't really care. But if you wait till noon to get up, your chickens are cooking in their chicken house. Damn, right, so it makes you, makes you go out <laughs> of the rack. Did. So how would you say your time in the military affects how you live your life today?
1: I think I really, the biggest thing that I got if you break it down, like deployment wise, um, it really made me see how life could be um, if, you know, the shit kind of hit the fan um, and that there is survival after that. There's living after that, but you need to be prepared for it. So I don't live my life, say, as a, you know, survival Per, I just I just live it in, in a very set way that everything I does has a purpose. Um there's not a lot of fluff in my house anymore, I guess you could call it. Meaning that like my kids know <laughs> they they know the difference between daddy's messing around and when it's time to 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 go. Yeah. Or when it's time to do something and I've got them Very self sufficient on their own. I mean, they're, uh, I I have all girls, of course. That was the karma brought down on on me for (laughs) whatever. Uh, I've got a fire team of girls, basically. Um, But I can tell you that they all can cook for themselves, you know, and all that type of stuff. So it's really kind of made me focus on what's really important. Um, and all the other stuff is just fluff. And we've eliminated quite a bit of it from our lives, other than more like art type of stuff, like music and things like that, because, you know, it, that, that's just enriching to an extent. But, um you know, we don't watch a lot of TV. We don't do a lot of bowl. Uh, most of the stuff that we do is as a family, out and about. So.
0: I know one of the struggles I had to to have when I became a father was I wanted to instill, you know, discipline, responsibility, things like that. I also didn't want to go, you know, NCO on my son, right? Like like I had to find a balance right. and go, like, listen, man, he hasn't been to basic. He hasn't served in a unit. Like, you know, he hasn't jumped out of an airplane, and he's, he's eight. You can't treat him like that. And I, I had to find this balance of, you know, using that leadership – but trying to be, you know, the, the drill sergeant in basic on the last day rather than the first day, if that makes sense. Yeah,
1: absolutely. No, I, I've had – my wife has said to me more than once, they are not your Marines. Yeah. They are not your soldiers. They are not – you know. And yeah. That only happens very rarely. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it's not even that it once happens. Once in a while, and- though, you just can't help it. It just yeah. kind of happens. What are you
0: doing? No, you know, like it, even like even like so much that it happens, but like well, then figuring out well how do i how do I do what I know is right in a different vocabulary or a different uh level of energy you know then usually it's got I do. to do with
1: something that they might hurt themselves doing, yeah, so yeah. if they're doing it incorrectly and them doing it incorrectly is going to either hurt them or themselves or others, then I'll be like,, Ooh, you know, yeah. but otherwise, <laughs> otherwise I'm usually pretty. Pretty low key with
0: it. Yeah, if it's only uh, going to hurt a little bit, it's only going to hurt a little bit, and we're just going to learn a lesson. A go ahead. Yeah. Go it's go just ahead. a learning experience, isn't it? You so, know? <laughs> so you teach vets not just um, like gardening and stuff like that. You also teach security and preparedness and 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 food storage. And you teach that you know you, you're into that yourself. So when you're talking to people about that, what would you say today to them are the easiest ways to get started storing food? And protecting their families and things like that.
1: Well, for – I mean, when it really comes down to it, you just have to do it. Um, I, I think we all inherently know what we need to do, um, especially as veterans. So uh, a lot of this is just like getting them to realize that they need to do It's to go get some bottled water, go get some canned food, go get – and it's just the basic stuff. Um it, that's not really hard to, to teach. Obviously, it's mainly common sense, but it's, um, I, I think you just have to get people to realize that, Hey man, you've been somewhere and you've seen the, the breakdown of society. What, what happens if, what happens to you and your family if that happens here? So what, what can we do to mitigate those? Issues. And that's basically what I what I teach guys. I, I don't necessarily go out and teach that stuff to them. I just make them think about it. And then we go through and, and develop a plan just so it's part of the whole, I guess you could call it peer support mentorship part of my relationship with a veteran is usually, you know, so uh, is your family taken care of? Are you taken care of? Do you have a plan? Do you have, if, you know, do you have a group of guys that you want to meet up with? Do you have, whatever. So I just get them to think that way. Um, And and I know you're pretty versed in this as well. Um, It's just really getting people to open their eyes to it. And once you do that um, and unleash them on the internet, (laughs) It makes life pretty easy to to do this stuff, um, and and I like to get together when when we have groups, um, and we really kind of go through some things, just touch on things. Uh, so you know, how is your prepping coming, or how's your 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 reliance stuff coming along? Um, and then we'll just bat around some ideas, and you know, guys will be like, well, I'm having problems with this, or I'm having problems with what kind of, if I should buy a shotgun, or what kind of, you know, all that type of stuff.
0: And we're back to a sense of purpose, then. You're taking care of your family, you're being prepared. And I think that, like, I think this message is much easier with military people, and I think you're hitting on why. I think people, actually, that are not military don't know why. They think it's, well, because guns and gear and, and, and things like that, and, like, that's, that makes sense to a military person and it does most anyway. I mean we've all known that guy that just really <laughs> For the how most part. how did yeah. you get here? Like why why, we've always got why aren't percent, you in right. why aren't you a scout leader instead of a you know or, but anyway, you know, I think the bigger reason though is if you've deployed and it not necessarily have to be combat, if you've deployed to anywhere that's not the first world yeah. Then you know what poverty is. You know what a, a, a crippled society is. Whether it was a great society that was brought down by war, or whether it's a society society that just never had, hadn't gotten there yet. Like you've right. seen. Like when I was in Honduras for six months, I thought I saw poverty in Panama. I really did. You know, <laughs> when I went to Honduras, I was like, "Holy wow. shit! Right. This is poverty. This is having nothing. This is people that like." don't even know what, they don't have electricity, they don't know what electricity is or what it does. You know, and like, these are people that don't go to the garbage dump to pick trash to eat because there's nothing useful at the dump at all. Food doesn't get thrown away. And like, when I saw that and I came back to the United States, I always thought things were a little bit like, people were a little bit too lackadaisical and, you know, I came from the Hill Country, so like, we were prepared basically because you had to be and when I went to the cities at first, I was like, wow, man, people just have no clue. But well, when I came back, I think it was actually part of the cultural shock as well. Because I was like, wow, I never realized it was this bad. So what you're thinking is, geez, I was gone for three years and everything went to hell. No, it's the same way. You just can see it now. And it is disconcerting for you when you come back. And it, it makes reentry difficult because you're like, and you know, in the military, if you have any leadership authority at whatever, if you see something wrong, if it's below your level, you can do something about it. You can fix it. You can say, "Hey, fix this shit," right? And if yeah. you, you, if it's above you, sooner or later somebody else is going to see it and go, "Hey, fix this shit." But when you're here, you're looking around going, "There's no one to fix this shit because there's no authority anymore. Now it has to be done through logic and reason, which is lacking in some people."
1: <laughs> right, for sure. I mean, I always one of the one of the biggest points that I always bring up to guys is, is and I and I like to show them Uh, you know, with examples of like Sandy and Katrina and, uh, even just the, like the 24 hour blackout that we had, I think it was back in 2002, 2003, you know, 2002 in New York. Yeah. Um, is literally you were, this is very fragile. What we live in, um, is very fragile. And we're 72 hours from chaos at any moment. I mean, because if the power goes out for 72 hours in the middle of the summer in the Northeast, it's it's going to get ugly quick. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and that's what I really try to just. And it's not because I want to go doomsday or scare. I don't want this to happen. Yeah. I don't want any of this stuff to happen. But especially working in the energy field, in the energy business. For as long as I did, I really saw the fragility of our grid and realized that, oh, my God, that right there is a deal changer. It's a game changer.
0: You know, and Um, I think it's important when we're talking to people about stuff like that that we say, hey, look, I'm not saying the world's going to end. I'm not saying this is going to be nationwide. When Sandy hit, in, in Texas... Other than we saw it on TV and we felt bad for people, it didn't really matter. It didn't really affect us, but it sure as hell affected the people there. And in yeah. the upper-end neighborhoods of you know Manhattan and what have you, in 24 hours, people that would have never even thought about it were climbing into dumpsters for food because in their tiny-ass apartments, they don't keep any food. No. And, and that's no. And that's all it took in there for people to, to result in dumpster diving. Yeah, and, and, and more and
1: importantly then, than that, water. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking about the water, you know, the the system in New York City was flooded, and all of a sudden there's no drinking water. I mean, within within seven within 48 hours, you're you've got people that will gut each other for water. So and I'm not trying again. This isn't doomsday. This isn't whatever. This is just reality. That's just reality. When the shit hits the fan. You have to know something. You can't just be like, "Oh well, they'll take care of me here." You, you, no, you just have to have basic knowledge and common sense to not die. <laughs> it's basically yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah, and at least have enough purpose to think outside of yourself and and think about your family and those around you, and that if you have that ability to educate them on. Something that's simple, like, yeah, you went through superstorm Sandy, and you you know people don 't realize how bad it was, no um people don 't realize how bad it was in in New Orleans or gal in, in you know parts of Texas and Mississippi with Katrina, and that 's right here yep that that's not you know, this is for you know we always hear first world problems, you know those are serious problems. Um, and if you don't know how to deal with those in, a, in, a, in an organized way, when the shit hits the fan, you're never going to be able to deal with them. It's like that first time they tell you, you know, you get into a firefight. We've got the, this is why we do weapons drills over and over and over and over and over again. Because the, the only way that humans learn, for the most part, is mindless repetition and blunt force trauma. I'd rather learn by mindless repetition, thank you. I don't want to get hit over the head with, life going, hey, guess what? You have no electricity, running water, or anything else. I want to be prepared for that. That's blunt force trauma. And then your fingers turn to sausage. You can't do shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, to me, is at least have the common sense to to see it and to be able to mitigate those problems. And this doesn't mean you have to go build an underground bunker and get crazy just think outside the box for a week. You know what I mean? Think think a, a week down the road. This is what I can do, and I can basically live self-sufficiently for a week. And then get ready for two. And, it, you know, it's a simple process. You just have to do it.
0: That's all. Well, and I think you hit on something there when you said first-world problems. Like, and this is what I don't think people get. Yes, this is the first world. Yes, we have amazing technology, amazing resources. Just so much opportunity. But something like Superstorm Sandy will turn an area into the third world in an instant, and it could be for a week, it could be for a month, it could be for 60 days. You don't really know how long that's going to last. But what you do know is this. All of the problems will get worse every single day, and it's almost like the exponentiality of like the Richter scale. So, like, the difference between a, a 1.0 earthquake and a 2.0 earthquake, you probably can't even tell. But an 8 and an 8.1, big difference, Yeah, right? Big
1: difference. So, big as
0: big you go the first day, it sucks. And the second day, it sucks a lot more. And the third day, it really starts to suck. But, boy, the fourth day, the fifth day, that c- becomes exponentially worse. It's all of the problems cascade, well, resources are there run out. And, and you know, like, the thing about Superstorm Sandy that was, this is insane, as – As things started to become available again, shit actually got worse where people were beating each other up in lines to fill up a gas can, right? Yeah. It's like, asshole, just relax. You're going to get your gas too, you know. But no, there were fights, you know. There were, you Mm. know, all kinds of things like that. And and that was, as bad as that was, it was relatively short-term. Yeah,
1: relatively calm.
0: Because it was, even though it seemed like a huge area... It was a very long, narrow area, and that meant there were areas of support just to the west of the whole impact zone. Where you know, if something happens in like Miami, South Florida, then you have a Mm. limited amount of support access that can get in. You only have one way in, so to say. Yeah. This is what a bottleneck. Yeah. 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 Floridians usually leave when that shit's coming, and I think (laughs) part of the problem with with Sandy was people like, Oh, that doesn't happen here. Do, do, do yeah, you ever crack a history right. book? Right? Come on. Um, so so what do you think the biggest mistake people make is when it comes to prepping? I,
1: I think that they concentrate on the wrong stuff. I think that they concentrate too much on I've got 45 guns, I've got 18 million rounds of ammunition, <laughs> um, and I've got equipment to reload another 100,000 rounds. But you have one survival straw for water. Yeah. You know? All right, folks. If we don't know simple biology at this point, you're at least 70% water. You can't go more than two to three days without it. You will die. That's it. So it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You have to know that the most important thing that we can have, or that we have to have, is water. Period. It, you, instead of spending all that money on the ammo and guns, unless unless your prepping uh, plan is to just go steal water from everyone else, which is what assholes do, then, you know then then i guess you arming an army to go do that is is maybe you're on the right plan but otherwise i think people don't concentrate on water enough um at all and i'm not talking about necessarily just i mean you've got to have water that you can drink but if you want to grow food or if you want to do any of that you've got to have massive access to water so that's why I, you know people will buy these uh, you know, bunkers out in the middle of the desert. <laughs> There's no freaking water, man.
0: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I mean, seriously, you can have enough food, you know, but if you don't have the water, yeah. what's the point,
0: right? Especially That's, when you got a bunch of dehydrated a, food.
1: Kind of a long-winded <laughs> answer, but I guess it comes down to, yeah, dehydrated food, all that. Oh, yeah, you've got food for two years, but you have water for a month. Yeah, Yeah. What are you doing, man? What yeah. are you going to do? So, it, I mean, yeah. just for drinking-wise, you – yeah very bare minimum you gotta have like a liter of water a day, yeah bare minimum, bare minimum better absolutely. better would be a gallon or two, uh but you know
0: then you need <laughs> sanitation then you know I mean, oh yeah, you know, I mean, one of my biggest assets here to me is our ponds and our pool because if nothing else, I can still flush the toilets, right I yeah, mean, and that's
1: yeah. one of the things that I used to always tell my wife too, she would be like she'd be like. Oh, you know, she, she always was pushing to get a pool. Yeah. Uh, we don't have one now in the house we live in, but um, we do have a pond next to it. Um, but we, we usually part of the way that one of the ways that I justified buying a, a bigger pool is because I'm like, hey, that gives me 5000 more gallons of drinking water.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean?
1: So if yeah. for nothing yeah. else. Look at, look at that piece of recreation equipment you've got, that pool, as a giant reservoir. Yep. And all you need to do is have a filter to pull it out and filter, th- filter through and you're all set. Because it's already been treated. So have at
0: it. Just well, you, you know, and another thing, too, you mentioned, like, the, the people that say, well, my plan is I have guns, so I'll go take what I want. Well, first of all, right. exactly. most of the people don't have shit to take from them. Okay, because they're not prepared either. So, Especially in suburbia, right? Then the next thing is okay, fine. I'll I'll give you your fantasy world of it being like the zombie apocalypse, and it's the end of the world, and there's no law enforcement, <laughs> and that. Okay, if that happens, which is the one in a gazillion chance, you might make a living that way until somebody shoots your ass. But y- it might work if it's Superstorm right. Sandy, and you're running around with your AR stealing shit. It is only a matter of time till order is restored and you're going to prison for the rest of your effing life. Hello. Right? right or, or, or you come into
1: contact with people that are better yeah. and more apt, you know, they have better aptitude with guns than you.
0: Well, because that guy is the guy that's going to go out and use force and intimidation and threats, and the guy that's going to take him out isn't going to bow up to him while well, he's no. doing it to somebody else. He's just going to shoot him, he's just going to smoke just, him. Just, just out just don't nowhere. Gone, you're gone. You know, I've got my whole (laughs) – bye. Yeah. Right? And then it's a legitimate shoot. He was pointing a gun at an old lady taking her tomatoes or whatever. So, you know, I mean – Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's it's not a realistic – and I see it – I don't see it much in our community here because we're pretty level-headed. But when I occasionally check out some of, like, the prepper forums and stuff, I always see Uh, people spouting that shit off. And you're like, dude, do do you even hear the words that are coming out of your mouth? Really? I mean – it's like the,
1: the, the stuff that's coming out of your mouth is actually causing you physical pain.
2: <laughs> so
0: stop. <laughs> Knock it off. The, I, think, I think the way I've put it is it's, it's like having your brain burned with acid for anybody that uses their brain <laughs> for more than shitting and sleeping. If yeah, you use your brain exactly. for more than that and you hear somebody talk that way, it's like an acid bath for your brain. So <sighs> in addition to water, what do you think the essentials are that people need realistically?
1: Well, you've got to have water. You obviously have to have food, um, shelter of some sort. I mean, you gotta, but it's, it's a matter of do, do you, you have to have a plan. So water, food and a plan, especially if you have kids and stuff. Cause here's the point. Do you shelter in place? Do you try to go to Aunt June's house that lives out 15 miles out of town? And if that's your plan, how do you get there to, to weather the storm? You know what I mean. Um, and do you have stuff prepositioned at Aunt June's house? Um, so, so it's truly, it's it's really food, water, um, and a plan, which of course includes security. Um, and, and I'm not saying you know don't have guns, of course, of course you gotta have yeah. something. Um, but I'm not. I mean, I have a gun for myself, uh, a few. Um, but my wife also has some stuff and, and, you know, I teach my kids as well, but it's, it's that, that that's, not the point. The point is, is that, um, you really want the stuff that's going to help you survive. So, um, if you're sheltering in place, do you have the ability, depending on when this is going to go down, where do you live? Do you live in the Northeast where it gets freaking cold? and you need to figure out a way to heat your house, but all there is is gas and electric heat. So do you have a place to burn wood? Do you have, you know, so it's it's the plan. It's it's really comes down to food, water, and then you've got to kind of prioritize after that and make your plan um, and really think about what you've got available to you and then, or... If I get out of here, where am I going? And don't think you're going to drive to Boston or somewhere else. I mean, don't don't make your situation worse. <laughs> drive somewhere, you know. And do, do you know how to get there so you don't have to drive on the interstate or wherever? Because I guarantee you, like with Sandy, there was people trying to get the hell out. You know what I mean? And and there's all you've got's bridges and tunnels. Um, so that that's kind of a bad example But imagine, you know, like a hurricane It happens every year yeah. um, The hurricane ev- evacuation routes Well, you don't need to follow those blue signs You know, that tell you the hur- hurricane evacuation route Unless you live on, like, the Outer Banks or something Because there's one entrance and one exit But if you've got a spot where you can learn the back roads To get from point A to point B Then you probably should Um it's just kind of you, – you, you know exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm thinking, the like, the, choir, the,
0: the addition to that, I would say, is you have to have more than one place you would go to and more than one way sure. to get to each place because uh, you could be all worried about the hurricane coming in from the coast, and you could end up with some sort of a, a man-made threat coming in from the south or the west. So yeah. you, you don't know, but I, I do think it makes a lot of sense to, like, before you worry about, like, the, the 19 different variables – identify regionally your most likely threats and plan for those, and then build your contingencies into that.
2: So,
1: so what is it that we say? Deal with your family, your personal, then deal with your local, then go region or, you know, then go community, state, yep. region, you know, but you have to really start with you and your family. Uh, and the other, the other thing I want to make uh, point out, um, that I think is huge is, is doing the lone wolf McQuay deal. Isn't going to work. <laughs> um, you need, you need folks, you need, you need others to help you friends, family, whatever. Um, I mean, we know because we were in the military, but I'm sure you have plenty of listeners that are not veterans. Um, fire watch for an entire night. Uh, just doesn't work day after day
0: <laughs> no
1: you need you need some help you, spread you, you that need out. a community so you you need to get you know whether it's just your family or whatever but you know i i always say get together with another family or two that are like-minded and whatever and, and really come up with a plan and say you know i mean we have we have uh rubbermaid totes are are made for a reason Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's and a big uh, thing we, have, we have them at friends' houses. We have them at other people's houses. You know what? Don't ask them for anything. I, I provide a lot of this stuff because I'm like, listen, here's the education I'm giving you, and here's a tub of s- stuff that we can all use when I have to come to your house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And, and I don't expect them to go to Sam's Club or Walmart or Costco or go to EMS and buy whatever or one of our, you know, lovely uh emergency uh stores online, I just do it. You know what I mean? And and that's another way of of, of educating people is showing them and giving them what An actual example of what they need
0: And compare that to the survival (laughs) Fiction which boy it's fiction That some of these guys write and I mean Some of it's entertaining and it makes you think it all And I'm not putting anybody down but what is the General way that people cash shit in those stories They dig a hole in the Uh, ground in the national forest and they bury it. And then they're out, you know, after the apocalypse and they're on their four-wheeler and they're motoring along on their gas that they got from, I don't know, punching a hole in the bottom of a... Uh, electrical transformer and then they, they get to where they're going and they dig their shit up and they put it in their rucksack and it's like, wouldn't it make more sense to cash your stuff with people? Because first yeah. of all, then it's not going to get stolen. And second of all, you've just upped your social capital. So now you have multiple places with resources, with helpful individuals who, you know, if you show up, they've kind of agreed to it by taking the stuff in the first place. And right. if you had to stay on the move for any reason. Now you've got kind of this leapfrog effect that, that all makes a lot more sense than burying a rifle in a freaking piece of PVC pipe and yeah. thinking you're going mean, to find it. I never it. got it. I just never got that. I, I mean,
1: of course it sounds like it might in theory be okay, uh, but but why? This isn't Red Dawn, man. I mean, it's not, you know.
0: It, it, Do you know how it, many times it, I've gone back to a place that I hunted? For years, but I didn't go for a few years, and I I had a place that I used to put my tree stand, and I would go back and go, I know right where that is, right? (laughs) And it's not there anymore. It's there, but you can't find it. You were sure you knew where it was. Short of a GPS, like, the odds that, like, 10 years from now, the the streets are going to catch on fire, 50 cities are going to go into riots, the blue (laughs) helmets are coming in, and you're going to ride your ass out in the middle of Montana and find that freaking piece of PVC pipe. That's some that's some grade A bullshit right there. Well, there's
1: there's 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 a reason there's so much unclaimed
0: pirate treasure out there. Yeah, cuz they forgot where they put it. They got drunk on that rum. Shit,
1: X X on the
0: map shit doesn't work. <laughs> they got drunk on rum and got an infected leg and had to get a peg leg and couldn't remember by the time they were right. done with their fever where some it was. Lines, yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. swear. I yeah. So it literally like yeah, you put them <laughs> I have the gps coordinates to it well guess what gps isn't going to work
0: yeah yeah it it has, has a lot, lot battery i love more the now. people that all want emp uh, resistant cages faraday cages and yeah. it's like okay the entire electrical grids down right what what are you going to what are you going to what are you going <laughs> to listen to right you know like <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. i have my yeah. transistor radio in a faraday cage so EMP is going to come blow up all the radio stations. You're going to turn it on and listen to static.
1: Yeah. I mean, because Noah, the the emergency (laughs) radio channel doesn't work either. Yeah. Yeah. So, whatever. I mean, different strokes for different folks. And I'm not one to push my bullshit on anyone. I don't, you know, but I do like. It's, it's, there's common sense, for God's sakes. For God's sakes, there's common sense. And, and, yeah, your whole house might be a Faraday cage, but but why? And how much did that cost
0: you? I, I hope when? you're generating your own power at that point because then it doesn't right. matter, right? You know, yeah. Like, unless you have power generation capability, and that's protected too. It doesn't matter. I got a great Faraday cage, by the way, by accident in my uh, my quail aviary. Because we we took the hardware cloth all the way into the ground and buried it. When you yeah. go in there, you watch your cell signal just go. I swear, if it got hit by lightning, it oh, wouldn't even affect man. the birds. It's, uh, but it wasn't intentional. But I, I guess I'll throw my uh, my radio one two three four in there from Stephen Harris or something. But uh, right. if you if you were asked like, what are some like three solid investments people can make uh, to prepare? What would you say to, to to go with that?
1: All right. So one of them is a shotgun, a good shotgun. All right? Um, Because he can use it for not only hunting, but see, that's the other thing. It's not for hunting. It's for self-defense. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. The, the people that think that they're going to go hunt for food, it, no. It just isn't going to work. Um But so I, I would say good shotgun for self-defense. It's the easiest thing to use, Um and it's cheap. You can buy ammo. You know, by the caseload, um, versus like a 5.56 five, or, or something like that. Um, and let's be honest, you're not going to be engaging people at 300 meters. You're going to be engaging them at 20. So anyway, just because for sheer balance, shotgun, a kick ass water filtration system. So. I can tell you exactly what I use is a monolith um, pre-filter kind of thing where it literally I made it out of um, five-gallon buckets that I bought at Home Depot to pre-filter water. Like, literally, I can pull water out of the, any anywhere almost, filter it through this pre-filter, and then I've got a pro-pure filter that I use after that. Um, so spend – you know, two, three, four hundred dollars on a good two-stage different water filtration system, or like Katie Dine makes some good stuff. Berkey, you know, all those people invest in one of those, and then um, I really <laughs> some good actual like grain or rice or like actual sealed buckets of food that will last 20 years and find a cool, dark place to put them and store them away. Um, that, that's the three that – those were the first three things that I did. And you know what? It's the first thing, three things that I still have. Um, everything else kind of has come and gone. Um, but I've got six buckets of, you know, rice, wheat, and a grinder – um, and then the water filtration stuff, and some shotguns, and some shotgun shells. Yeah. And really, it's that easy. Like it's that simple. You're on your way then.
0: Period. And I'll tell you one of the things I like about the shotgun as a home defense tool. Uh, assuming that you don't want to ever actually have to pull the trigger, if you're in a situation where the gun can be used to deter a person, it gets people's freaking attention, right? The handgun actually, in a lot of ways, is tactically more useful in a home defense situation. In some ways, because of the way it can be concealed, or for whatever. sure. But when somebody sees that big ass twelve gauge barrel pointed at them, or they hear that universal sound that somehow in movies goes over and over and yeah, over again, exactly. God But <laughs> that that first that first rack of like that, like everybody knows what that is. Makes people's assholes, fucker. Right, and, and 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 then that that threat is likely to go away. And if that threat continues to advance, then you know you're dealing with someone that needs to be put down, because if if somebody's got a twelve bore pointed at you and you go toward them, <laughs> there's something wrong, right? And and so right. I think not only is it deadly effective, it's also. I guess philosophically effective as well. There's, I, I think there's been plenty of situations where someone's been poking around a backyard or something and an eight seventy comes out the window and they're like, yeah. you know what, have this. I, I, I'm going, yeah. some, I, I'm out of here. I don't want nothing to do with that. And it's also really versatile because, you know, it it, it could be used to, like Michael Jordan when he set up my beehives, he's like, why not you just put them out at your front gate? and then, like, you just get your shotgun and and put some 8-shot in it, and if somebody's trying to get in, you don't want to shoot them, just shoot the beehive a couple times, and (laughs)
2: yeah,
0: (laughs) right, exactly. Okay, well, you know, he's like, no, no, all i got to do is run a cable out there and just start jerking it. I'm like, right, man, but, like, I just tell that story for humor, but there is some, like, a lot of versatility in a shotgun. Slugs, buckshot, burnshot. And and what what I really like about it is, let's say,
1: like, I, I have a, I have a um, a brother-in-law who is not a gun guy. And I can't even tell you frankly if I've never taken him shooting. If he's ever fired a gun it wasn't for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I know that I can give him a shotgun and within 10 seconds he can be effective with it because he barely has to aim especially if it's got double odd in it or something like that. You know what I'm saying?
0: Well, yeah. It's either so far it's enough it's out that, that that pattern helps you, use. or it's close enough that it's not about that. It's a, a huge pattern. It's just like if you if you point a shotgun at somebody ten feet away, you're probably not going to miss. It's it's pretty no, easy. No,
1: exactly, and
0: and that's the point.
1: So whereas in with with something else, they could, um, and it's it's just it's simple, easy, and and that's kind of why I really like shotguns, and they're really versatile because. I mean, just think of all the different shot you can buy to do whatever you want with um, and, and whatnot. It's it's multifaceted, and uh, that's just my two cents on that. I mean, I really like uh, – um, what's that one pistol? The Defender? Something like – the Judge that shoots 410 rounds. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. So – I don't have one, but that's the only other handgun that I would ever buy. Um, Just because it's shotgun rounds, basically. Simplicity's sake.
0: Very cool. So, um, what what would you list as maybe your your three top trusted resources in survival information?
1: Well, um, frankly, for years it was. the survival, the survival blog um, for, for a long time. But I haven't gone there in a lot of years. Um, frankly, I, I've i been going to your website lately and I like it because like, you've got some simple... I, I, you know what I looked at the other day, Jack, was the videos that you gave of the Nine Mile Farm. Yeah. Um, I love it because that type of stuff... People can use that, it's actionable. They can go, Oh shit, I could do that. You know what I mean? Um, so so that what I'm getting at with that is YouTube nowadays. Type whatever you want into it. And it's the largest one of the largest search engines in the in the world. YouTube is an invaluable tool um, for getting survival information, right? Um, and just the internet in general. So th- that's really that's really about all that I do anymore. I haven't bought a survival book in a long time because I found out that for the most part, it's just people trying to sell you their own brand of shit. Um, you know what I mean? And I, I I get it. We all have to make money. I, I get that. Um, but <laughs> there's so much free information out there that you don't. There, I haven't found a book, uh, in a long time that piqued my interest enough to go out and buy it. Um, so I would say, I don't know if there's necessarily even three. I would say Google and YouTube, <laughs> you know, and then frankly, and then frankly uh, sites like yours because they're common sense.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard for me to disagree with
1: that. <laughs> no, and, yeah. and that's really what it comes down yeah. to. It's,
0: there's um, a
1: lot of bullshit out there.
0: I, I there's a lot of fluff that. out there. So Let, let's um, talk about here as we finish up some of your other stuff. Um, you are co-founder and co-host of a, a podcast called Cigars and Sea Stories. What's that about?
1: <laughs> it's basically a marine-centric uh, podcast, but we we really get down and everyone's heard the term smoking and joking. Um, and people think about it sitting outside around the smoke pit around a bonfire, uh, with your buddies or whatever, and just no shit. There I was stories all over the place. So it kind of goes along with those lines of the smoking and joking. But then we also like to bring it around and bring on folks that are just veteran. You have to be a veteran to come on the show. Um, but and then the other prerequisite is that you're adding value to the community so um we get on we bring folks on and we just talk common sense stuff and we don't want even if we i mean we've had special forces guys and delta dudes and you know marine raiders and some of the most high speed low drag people on there but what i want to hear is like their boot camp stories or stuff like that i don't i don't care where you've been and what you've done necessarily it's just let's let's get down and dirty and really just shoot the shit right and uh so that's mainly what cigars and sea stories is about i mean we we focus on marine corps business or or our veteran-owned businesses and things along those lines too and really from all genres there's no one niche so we talk to everybody from t-shirt companies to um guys that make items out of barn wood you know what i mean um so that's basically what Cigars and Sea Stories is about.
0: <coughs> cool. And uh, then you've got this other thing. Let's see what this is called. Um, it's like another podcast. Uh, change Your Point of View, Change Your POV. What's the yeah. what's up with that?
1: So, Change Your POV now is morphed into a podcast network uh, where actually we have it set up more like a, like a TV station would be. Um, so figure like, you know, Fox, ABC, pick a station, how they have different shows throughout the week, right? But it's one channel versus its own distinct podcast. So we have uh, five, right now we've got one, two, three, four podcasts live and we've got another two that'll be going live here soon. Uh, we've got Motivation Mondays, which is literally just a three minute motivational, uh, blurb from, from one of the hosts. Um, Tuesdays is Changing Hearts and Minds, which is, uh, hosted by Jeff Adamack. He's a, uh, mm-hmm. medically retired, uh, special forces, um, weapons sergeant who, uh, you know, is just a badass and really cool dude. Uh, so that's his show. We've got a show called, uh, Headspace and Timing, which is about veterans' mental health. Uh, and that should be going live within the next two weeks, I'd say. Uh, which I think is a fantastic podcasting name, podcast name, Headspace and Timing, uh, for veteran mental health, especially, uh, alluding to the 50 Cal, of course. And then we've got an outdoor show uh with a he's the only non-veteran member of our team uh called Neo Fight in the Woods which is basically going to talk about people that are interested in hunting, type activities and outdoors activities and then we've got uh Remove Before Flight which is a uh, Kevin Fairbanks is a uh he was an Air Force comms guy uh but now he's a marketing uh business marketing guy and he does that. It's basically a veteran entrepreneurship and marketing podcast. Uh, and then we do attack Fridays, which is Eddie and I's my co-host show, which attack is a acronym because you know, us in the military, we love our acronyms. Uh, and that stands for actionable tips, tricks and coachable knowledge. And basically we bring on, uh, veteran business owners and, um, veteran entrepreneurs and veteran just people that are really, uh, we feel can really add value to the space and get people. Whether it's you know training people how to uh, write resumes or um, start their own businesses, and basically just to help the community. So,
0: yeah, very cool. And I mean, real quick, cause you, I mean, what what you do as a professional, like your employment, you work for VA as a peer support specialist. Correct. What exactly does that mean? What does that mean? What do you do? Basically,
1: it's, I'm like a, 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 an active mentor slash coach slash, uh, buddy that just helps guys or gals, um, transition through this madness that, that we've got. That's the BA. Um, and whether it's help it with benefits or, um, Homelessness or finding food for their families or, uh, some maybe they need a ride from point A to point B. Um, and then I really help them. We come up with a set of goals and, uh, basically I help them reach those goals. I don't do it for them. It's, it's the best way to describe it is it's a hand up, not a hand out. Um, and that's something that really needs to reverberate through this community is, uh, we're not, you know, we're not there to give handouts <laughs> at all. Um, but I'll give you a hand up all day long. And uh, and if you don't, because you only know what you know. If you don't know about this benefit that you had because you served your country, I'll be the one to help you get that. You know what I mean? Um, but I also expect you to put your skin in the game and do the work that it takes to get everything done that needs to be done, whether that's go to school and graduate so you can get a better job or uh, feed your family while you're doing so, you know?
0: Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think it's important work, and I I, I can tell that, like, a lot of people, they have their job, and then their job is what they do to have a job. And if you look at what they do in their personal life and in their own time, they really don't have a lot of connection between the two because the job is just a job you know we kind of talked about the sense of purpose in your work earlier so the fact that you have that synergy tells me that you're committed to what you're doing and and I thank you for it because I know that guys are coming back and having a lot more shit to deal with today than I did when I came back I mean for me it was it was 3 years and it wasn't combat and and it still was just like Man, everything's screwed up. Every nothing's right, and I I can't imagine what it's like for a guy that's been in, you know, ten, fifteen years. If you're twenty, at least you have a retirement, right? But these guys that are doing seven, eight, nine years, they they basically bye, bye, and you get nothing, man. So the work is, and that's why we're losing so many of them. So thank you for the work that you're doing, because it's it's damn important, And, and the people you're doing it for have earned you know some level of support and help from their country. Correct,
1: absolutely. And thats it's my pleasure, and it's literally what I've dedicated my life to at this point. So pretty much, other than my family, the rest of my time surrounds helping vets in one form or another. And it's not just veterans, too. I mean, it's my community and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of look at veterans to step up and be the leaders of those communities. I mean, that's how traditionally it's been in this country from the beginning. And I think we've kind of gotten away from that. Um, and usually, the people that served in the military had the gunction to come home and lead, right? And uh, uh, we've totally gotten away from that. So I'm kind of trying to empower the community to, you know, let's let's do this the right way, folks, um, and let's not become, uh, you know. A bunch of drug addicts uh, because they keep pain, you know, shoving pain pills down our throat and whatnot. I could go on a whole nother rant and show about all this. But, you know, that's basically why I do it is because I just want our country and our community to be better. Um, Not that it was necessarily better in the past, but I know we can be better than we are. So
0: absolutely very cool man and and again i appreciate you being here and and i thank you for the work that you're doing and i thank you for taking time to be with us today bennett anytime brother all right great interview with a guy that's that's really doing some great work and with some great thoughts and i appreciate having uh bennett on today i want to remind you as we finish up today if you want to help support the survival podcast um one of the ways you can do that is to do your online shopping at tspaz.com. At tspaz.com, you'll see all of our reviews of Amazon items, and you can even click on a link to just get straight over and see the Amazon items uh, item uh, deals of the day. And uh, as long as you're shopping through tspaz.com, you're helping the survivalpodcast.com when you shop online. Anyway, um, I have an item I review every day, and today I have a new one for you. It's the Winomo AA to size D battery adapters. They actually have AA to size C battery adapters as well. These are little little semi-clear plastic cases with a couple electrical contacts in them. They're pretty simple, but you can pop one or two AA batteries in each one, and then you throw them in your D-cell flashlight, and your flashlight comes on. Now, you might wonder why you'd want this. Why, why wouldn't you just buy D batteries? Well, I actually keep D batteries. And they make them for Cs, too, and I have a link to those as well. Um, and I have C batteries uh, for the, the c size mag lights that we keep in our, our bug-out bags because uh, I think the, the d size lights are a bit big for that application. I'm just a big fan of the mag lights and the heavier-duty ones. Um, and as we have some other devices that use C and D batteries. So we keep C and D batteries for those with your, you know, your general off-the-shelf alkaline. I usually stick to Duracell. Now, um, the the thing is, almost everybody I think in this audience that's that's taken some steps toward uh toward energy independence has uh, picked up a couple items, and one of those would be the end loop double uh, A batteries and AAAs, A's too. If you're into that, and I have both. And the PowerX Smart Charger, this was initially a recommendation from Stephen Harris. I've added it to my list of items that I recommend. And with that and something like a small inverter for your car, you have pretty much an unlimited supply of AA and AAA batteries. And rechargeable Cs and Ds are just not economically viable, and they just generally don't perform very well. So will two AA's stuck into a little case uh, give you the capacity that a D battery will No, but since you can recharge your AA batteries indefinitely, just over and over and over again, until either the power comes back on or the apocalypse is here, one or the other, right? It just makes sense that you would give yourself this additional functionality. Because here's the thing, eight of them are about eight bucks, so they're about a dollar a piece. That means the first time you drop them into a light and use them one time, they pretty much paid for themselves over buying a set of D batteries. No, they won't last as long, but they're reliable. Either the light's just as bright until they, they run down. And you just pop them back in your charger and charge them back up. Um, I, I really recommend you add this flexibility to your uh, your your battery backup stuff and to your blackout kit. Uh, it just makes a lot of sense to me to because it's so cheap to do so. Uh, I looked at a lot of different ones, and one of the things I found is almost all of them I looked at had, like, fake spot uh, review ratings of, like, Ds and Fs. Uh, It seems in this low-end Chinese marketplace, you know, where anybody can have the same factory and make the same thing and put a new name on it, a lot of these people, just to get on the board, so to speak, are paying people to review their Amazon items, and they're not paying people that are, well, very bright. Um, so you can tell their fake reviews, and FakeSpot is a site that I recommend you use when you're researching your own stuff on Amazon. You just go to FakeSpot.com, drop the item link in, and it'll give you a uh, a grade on it that I found to be quite accurate. And since I learned about it a couple months ago, I put all the items I review through that test. It's one of my first steps. This got an A, uh, and it was like the only thing in this product category that got an A. Uh, so uh, I gave them a chance. They work just fine. They're easy to load. I found some that'll hold three AAs, which gives you more capacity, but they were not real easy to get the batteries in and out of. Where these are pretty easy to do that. So, you know, I'm thinking in the dark and you're fumbling around and trying to do things under stress, you want ease of use. So I really recommend you pick these up. And if you use C batteries, pick up the C battery version as well. Get them into your blackout kit, get some experience with them. If you don't have N Loop batteries and the PowerX smart charger, there's links to those in my review today as well. Those are the number one thing you can do for energy uh, security during a a breakdown. If you have that and even just a small 150-watt plug-in-a-cigarette-lighter inverter and some some cords for your car so you can charge your your smart devices in your car, um, that goes a long way toward getting through a blackout. But if you add a $50 uh, inverter... Uh, from Whistler for 50 bucks, right? 800 watts. Then you can run your refrigerator for a couple hours a day and stuff like that. So check out the review I did on these. I got links to all this stuff. And by the way, uh, Whistler has re- recently changed their models of inverts. I got links to the new ones. I think they've actually improved the, their line of inverts without raising the price. Uh, so you might want to check into those if you've been thinking about getting uh, some inverters as, as well. And again, there's links in the show notes today, not the show notes, the uh, the review today of the uh, WinMo AA size D battery adapters. Uh, great stuff, great stuff for eight bucks. Anyway, with that, let's go ahead and uh, have a quick chat about our song of the day today. So our song of the song of the day today is by The Script, and it's called "Without Those Songs." John Adams says musicians and the songs they sing are a form of immortality. This song commemorates the power of song and the true grit of the writer to tell them the story that is shared with the world. And as you listen to this song, you will hear people that you, you think are just amazing artists. You may hear some others that you know of, but eh, that's not your, your cup of tea or type of music. But somebody feels about them the way you feel about the ones that really do it for you. And there is a lot of power in music. And the reason there's power in music is because there's power in words. And one of the lines in this song is, would Dylan be just a poet? But I would tell you there are poets that are just as immortal as any musician, probably more so. I think some of the musicians we think of today that will never be unknown will likely be unknown sometime 100 years from now. Nobody will really remember. But they'll still remember names like William Shakespeare or even Dylan Thomas instead of Bob Dylan. And I think that there is something to doing something, doing anything that outlasts you, even if it's not immortal, if it lives on beyond you, whether it be music, whether it be a business, whether it be how you educate your children or how you inspire others. So to me, this song is so much more than just paying homage to great musicians and composers that have come before, it's also a message for all of us. Back down to the same thing I always say, what are you doing with your dash? Because you only get so long. One day they're going to put you in the ground or put you in an urn or, I don't know, toss you in the ocean. But somewhere they'll write something about you and they'll put two years, your birth year and your death year, and in between those years there'll be a dash. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Are you doing anything that will outlast you, and if not, you should be. You know, you heard words today from a guy that's working so hard to make people realize their own value. That's a big part of what I've been trying to do over the years. That is modern survivalism. You know, if we don't survive as communities, as family members, as, as leaders of our families, of things like that, then what are we surviving for? I want you to think about this too. Do you know what today is? May thirty first. May 31st. I usually put this at the front of a show. I decided to do it at the back of a show today because of this song. Tick-tock, tick-tock. The clock ticks for us all. Time is passing. Tomorrow, June 1st. When we get done with June, we're halfway through 2017. The clock isn't slowing down. You're on a sliding scale in life. And unless you're being proactive and moving up that scale... Life moves you down that scale. But you can do something that will outlast you. You can do something bigger than yourself. Build that business. Teach those kids. Write that song. Compose that poem. Inspire someone. With that, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't.
2: Would Dylan be just a poet Would by no ever know it Without those songs mm. Would Miley be just a stoner Johnny Cash just be alone Without those songs mm. Would pretty highly have disappeared or would Lennon still be here without those songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened in their lives? What happened in their hearts? To make the water to write the words? that's gonna tear this world apart. The beauty of their lives is when they sings along When anything went right When anything went wrong They put it in a song